which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and you declare to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then there came to him all his brothers and sisters and all who had known him before, and they ate bread in his house. They showed him sympathy and comforted him for all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. And each of them gave him a piece of money and a gold ring. The Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, and he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, a thousand yoke of oxen, and a thousand donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. He named the first Jemima, the second Keziah, and the third Karenah. In all the land, there were no women so beautiful as Job's daughters. And their father gave them an inheritance along with their brothers. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children and his children's children four generations. And Job died old and full of days. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church.
office. And he holds this priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able for all time to save those who approach God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, blameless, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he has no need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins, and then for those of the people. This he did once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests those who are subject to weakness, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints the Son who has been made perfect forever. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church.
began to shout out and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, My teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. The Gospel of the Lord.
misguided and self-important request. Bartimaeus answered the exact same question. What do you want me to do for you? With a request for healing, wholeness, and sight. His response indicated that he already had great spiritual sight. He saw who Jesus was and what he could do. He saw him as the son of David. He's the first person to have named Jesus as the son of David. The Messiah that the Jewish world had been waiting for. And in seeing, his faith was stronger than that of the rich man or the disciples. For me, the magic in this story is less than the miracle of Jesus giving a man his physical sight back and more in the miracle of Bartimaeus' spiritual sight preceding the physical healing. I want that. I want to see Jesus so clearly that I respond by leaping toward him, away from any material attachment I may have, away from the myth of self-sufficiency and the blindness of material about a year ago, I met a Bartimaeus. I was walking down Tremont Street in Boston with my clergy collar on, and a homeless man sitting on the sidewalk with a cardboard sign requesting work opportunities caught my eye. He held my gaze and wouldn't let me look away. I realized I also couldn't walk away. It would have felt rude even if my attire did not give me away as a Christian and a priest. But with my clergy collar on, I felt I had no option but to somehow respond. So with some internal drudgery, I said hi, and he invited me to sit. We talked for a while, and he told me that he prayed all the time for work, for a sense of usefulness in the world for the ability to return to a construction project even though he could no longer afford to be an insured builder. At some point, he took out a little memo pad and opened it up to a handwritten prayer that he had been carrying around. The prayer went like this. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, I write you this letter asking you to help me change my daily life to become much better than what it is now. I've worked before, and I want to work again, please, and rent an apartment, and never screw it up, sir. Thanks. Love, Alberta. Tearing the page out, he pushed it into my hand and asked me to bring it back here to my church and pray for him. And I wonder now, what kind of faith must we have to entrust our deepest prayers into Stranger. How does our sense of financial or material security or our pride or our blindness to Christ keep us from that kind of leap of faith? I have never asked a stranger to pray for me. And yet I know that spiritually I am every bit as in need as Alberta or Bartimaeus or anybody who has ever asked me to pray for if Jesus is asking us, each of us, each morning as we rise, what is it that you want me to do for you? 
Bartimaeus when I grow up. And not necessarily the Bartimaeus at the end of today's story with his eyesight restored. I want to start as the Bartimaeus whose faith made him yell for Christ. Didn't allow him to be silenced by the crowd of people who were annoyed by him. Caused him to throw off his cloak as he left toward Jesus. And caused him to ask quite plainly for what he needed. The ability to see again. So ironic. Because he was the one in his collection of stories. Whose eyesight internally was better than anybody else's. I want to be him. I want to know how to ask Jesus to make me more and more into who I was created to be in this world. And maybe you want that too. So here's what I think Bartimaeus' example invites us to. As we navigate this life, this life that is full of overwhelm, grief, shortcomings, passion, relationships, love, suffering, confusion, resource management, needs and wants, community, calling, work, school, family, church, schedules, clutter, decisions, illness, wellness, doubt, and hope. As we navigate this full life and the many moments that come our way and require something of us, let us have the courage to call out to Christ for healing, clarity, and sight. Let us hear the voices in the crowd assuring us, take heart, get up, he is calling you. Let us throw off whatever holds us back. Let us approach 
just and proper use of your creation. For those who suffer from war, famine, and natural disasters around the world and in our own nation, remembering especially those suffering from the aftermath of Hurricane Patricia, and for all who are in danger, sorrow, or any kind of trouble. In the Anglican cycle of prayer, we pray for the Diocese of Tohoku and Tokyo, Japan, for the worldwide Anglican Communion and Justin, Archbishop of Canterbury. In our Diocesan cycle of prayer, we pray for the ministries of St. Andrew's Church, Wellesley, All Saints Church, West Newbury, Emmanuel Church, West Roxbury, and the Tom River Community. For the peace and unity of the Church of God. For Catherine, our presiding bishop, Michael, our presiding bishop elect, and Alan and Gail, our bishops. For all bishops and other ministers. For the special needs and concerns of this congregation, we pray especially for Arthur, Sherry, the Fouret family, the Bird family, Tom, John, Minnie, Ted, Ruth, Kathy, Nancy, Peter, Brian, Peter, Kristen, Michael, Peter, Alice, John. Ellie, Hugh, Mary, and Bob, Kevin, Susan, Andy, Helen, Nancy, Claire, Ingworth, Carolina, Todd and Kate, Jackie, Eric, Peter, Janet, Eric, Kirsty, Jim, Gail, Wynn, the Cleary family. Spencer and Louisa, Olive, Fabiola, Deborah, Jane, Edie, Liz, those without jobs, those serving in the military, those working for peace, and all who suffer from violence in the Middle East, remembering especially those fleeing their homes for refuge in the West. Are there others? Hear us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for all the blessings of this life. We will exalt you, O God, our King. We pray for all who have died, that they may have a place in your eternal kingdom. We pray for the repose of the souls of Henry Blau, Father Peter Blau, and Kevin Bird. Lord, let your loving kindness be upon them. We pray to you also for the forgiveness of our sins. Have mercy upon us, most merciful Father.
many of you do also. But the choir will be offering traditional choral units on next Sunday night for the Sunday of All Saints, which is actually on that day, where we get that. And um, it took me a long time to be able to sit in this service and understand that it's about letting go and letting God in. And so I would encourage you to think about that and maybe come to the service of Coral Unitsong next Sunday night at 5 o'clock and let God in your heart in a different way. I will be starting with a prelude recital, uh, and I'm going to be playing, within the course of the beginning and the end of this event, I will be playing two of the most popular organ pieces, the Takata King of D minor, better known as the Family Opera, Many of you have said, oh, we had that at my wedding, or whatever. So those are the two most famous. One will start the recital, and the other will end the service. So I hope you can come. Thank you. I'm Bob Grace. I'm a member of the uh, Promise Tree Committee that uh, is getting kicked off today. I call your attention to your program, then, because it's a very good description of the items that are available, especially today, giving our parents the first crack at these things. I just want to let you know where you'll find these. If you head your, make your way over to the coffee hour at Parish Hall, you'll find uh, two long tables with many displays of these, about a hundred different items and many very exciting Red Sox tickets and uh, vacations, uh, places to go and so forth. Uh, so please stop in there and take your checkbook and your wallet and so forth and uh, enjoy it. Exact same spaghetti 
Thanksgiving dinner that is served every month for manna, formerly known as the St. Paul's Cathedral Lunch Program. In addition to a nutritious spaghetti dinner, it was an intergenerational evening of fun, with centerpieces of Legos arranged and rearranged by our own young artists, coloring and the reading of Streganona by Streganona herself, <coughs> a.k.a. our own Jan Turnquist. But that is not all. With over 40 in attendance, we were able to collect 12 sheet sets of bed sheets, three pillows, seven blankets, four pillowcases, one big basket of food, and over $250, enough to supply one child with a complete bed for the program of Bed for Every Child. Part of the collection for the co uh, part of uh, the um, coalition of the homeless. Come see the bounty and know that there are seven children who will be warmer next winter because of you. Thank you, Linda.
Since then, we've been members of St. Andrew's Buffalo, St. John's Richmond, Surrey, the Church of the Shepherd Acton, and here at Trinity for the last 20 years. Jeanette's been active in the musical life of all these parishes. I've been on two vestries, taught confirmation and adult education. And as many of you know, I've been the parish administrator of the Church of the Advent and Beacon Hill for the past 13 years after Simbo JT here at Trinity. I was also mentioned the Church of the Ascension in Munich, another of the American Episcopal churches in Europe. In 1971, Jeanette broke her hip in Munich, and after flying in from London, the rector of the Church of the Ascension found a parish family, brave souls, with whom I stayed for two months. That parish and all the others I mentioned have showered us with radical hospitality before we had the phrase often at a very difficult time in our lives. Well, what does this personal journey have to do with stewardship? And comfort, I hear you ask. Well, all of the parishes I mentioned were there, with open doors and open hearts, with educating, educated and stimulating and caring clergy and laypersons, with worship, sacraments, and music that fed the spirit and the soul. And they were there only because of the loving and often sacrificial support of their members. And sometimes, as will be Episcopal parishes in Europe, because of the support of our national church. It's good to remember that we're not alone in this post-Christian age. We're connected with the Episcopal and Anglican churches around the world. There are two principal metaphors for the church The epistle attributed to Peter describes the church as the people of God. Ephesians calls the church the body of Christ. When either metaphor, whether as citizens of God's kingdom or as constituent parts of God's Son, we are called upon to contribute our treasure Please keep this in mind over the next few weeks as stewardship Sunday approaches. And by the way, if you encounter someone you know who looks a little lost, ask them if they'd like to come to Trinity with you some Sunday. You never know where it might be. Thanks for your time.